Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. I'm Coulter Nuanas. As I try to turn myself on TV, <laughs> coming to you from the uh, ESPN MT studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Appreciate you for tuning in. Hope you had a great holiday weekend. It was a fun time, uh, good time for a reset for us, and now we are into it. We got playoff football. At the FCS level and a ton to get to today. First round of the FCS playoffs is in the books. The second round is coming, and we know the teams that are coming to Montana. Delaware squeaks past Lafayette. That was a crazy game. Back and forth all the way, but the Blue Hens, two days before they announced that they're moving up and moving out of the FCS, they posted an FCS playoff victory. So they will come to Missoula. That game, 7 p.m. on Saturday evening. And North Dakota State, <laughs> it's funny. I know they just played Drake, but everybody's been saying all year, oh, NDSU's down, NDSU's vulnerable. Looked pretty dang good to me. 66-3 to over Drake, and they take a head of steam and a three-game winning streak into Bobcat Stadium. NDSU will play at uh, Montana State on Saturday afternoon. That game kicks at 1 p.m. So we'll give you a, a full rundown of everything that went down in the FCS playoffs on Saturday. Also give you some projections on what's going to, uh, uh, what what maybe we see coming down the pipe with the second round matchups set. And uh, we'll just talk all things college football right off the top. We'll have three big things about the Grizz, three big things about the Cats, and uh, some other intriguing 
second round matchups, including several that are including uh, Big Sky teams that are not from the state of Montana. So that will constitute the Montana football hour right here off the top. And then in hour number two, our main man, Marty Mornaweg, will swing by the studio. The Monday afternoon quarterback with Coach Marty. I have a whole bunch of FCS questions for him. Uh, I got a whole bunch of Ohio State-Michigan questions for him, and I got a whole bunch of NFL stuff for him as well. The Monday afternoon quarterback is Montana's brand of NFL with a slight bit of college football flavor this time of year. That's brought to you by Stockman Bank, Montana's brand of banking. So there you go. That's your rundown here uh, on this fine Monday. Another short week this week for me, but we'll have shows every day this week, so don't worry on your end. I don't even know why I tell you this stuff other than the fact that <laughs> it's a uh, it's required by the FCC to tell you when stuff is pre-recorded. But uh, you'll be hearing me on the radio all five days this week. Um, but Andrew Houghton, Jeff Safford, they'll be steering the ship on uh, on Friday. And uh, that's probably going to be the case throughout the rest of the month uh, for a couple different reasons, but mostly because <laughs> uh, I've worked here long enough at Missoula Broadcasting Company that I accrue a little bit of uh, paid time off. And in customary fashion, I have not used more than half of that. <laughs> and we only got about four weeks left of the year. So we're probably going to have some short weeks here the, the rest of the year. But uh, as the playoffs progress, let's say either Montana, Montana State, or both go on runs through the semifinals, into the semifinals, or beyond. We'll have shows all the way up until then, and then we're probably knocking off. Actually, I know we're knocking off for the last two weeks of 2023. That's customary. That's part of the plan usually. So that will be a part of the plan again this year. If you want to stream the show, you always can, 1029ESPN.com or on that ESPN MT app. Uh, think, I think we're getting back on SWX here uh, in just a quick minute. And, of course, you can always listen on the radio, 1029 uh, FM around Western Montana. If you want to be a part of the show, you can always do that as well, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029, and all guests will join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. Uh, it was a fun long weekend, a great long weekend. I actually did a ton of work this weekend, but that's just kind of what I do. I like to get caught up on stuff so that we can really roll at it. And uh, so I had a nice uh, Wednesday and Thursday with no work. That was great. And then a um, little bit of work. Hey, we're back on TV. A <laughs> little bit of work on Friday. ton of work on Saturday and Sunday, working on some long-form stuff, some some profile stuff. So you can check all that stuff coming up at SkylineSportsMT.com. Got some senior profile stuff from the Grizz and the Bobcat side of things. I'm working on a profile on Levi Janicaro, who's number 37 for the Grizz. Outstanding, now all-big sky linebacker for Montana. Uh, Andrew Houghton's working on one on Alex Gubner, who was the big sky defensive player of the year when the big sky conference, big defensive tackle for the Grizz. I also have stories coming out about Lavelle Price Jr., who uh, has had a totally anomalous career at Montana State. And I don't mean anonymous. His career has been good at Montana State, but he is an anomaly. I mean, he's a... A walk-on out of the Trinity League. How often does that happen? The Trinity League, one of the prestigious football leagues in high school football in the country. If you're not familiar, that's what Matter Day and uh, St. John Bosco Prep, where Lavelle Price Jr. went, and a variety of other schools. They're all part of the Servite. They're all part of the Trinity League. And some of the biggest and best recruits in the country come out of that league every year. Well, Lavelle Price bet on himself and walked on as an out-of-state walk-on at Montana State. And, and then he sort of swam upstream for a while 
And then he had, uh, I don't know if it's an unenviable, but certainly a, uh, a a tough task of backing up Ty Okada and then replacing Ty Okada. Ty Okada now playing for the Seattle Seahawks. But I just think he has a great story of perseverance to, to last until that time. He's not an all-league player or anything like that, but he's a great dude, wonderful kid. We've had him on the show before. And I, like I always say, I just think that guys that make it to the end of their college football careers, no matter what, if you've been there for five, six years, you got a story. And especially if you're from, you know, you're from Los Angeles and you make it all the way through in Bozeman, it's a cool deal. I also got a story about Nolan Askelson coming out as well. So a ton of profiles, Governor Janet Carroll, Askelson, Lavelle Price, and some more uh, at SkylineSportsMT.com coming up uh, a, a little later on. We're also going to play catch-up uh, throughout this week with some of the high school stuff and some of the college stuff um, from these uh, last couple of uh, weeks. We certainly highlighted the high school state champions, champions uh, last week, but have a couple more interviews coming up, including Kellett Harrison. Last week we got our wires crossed a little bit, but he was our Vertical Rays Class AA Player of the Week. Last week, after five total touchdowns in the Class AA State Championship game, he's the quarterback of the Bozeman Hawks, also one of the best combo guards in the state of Montana. So Kellen and I will catch up tomorrow. He's got basketball going on, so we got a little crossed up last week, but he'll join us. And they got a whole bunch of other fun guests for you, including on Wednesday. This will be fun. Scott Guernsey, former Grizz uh, record-setting wide receiver, also to Grizz fans of a certain age, probably more familiar as the color commentator for the Grizz radio broadcasts for, for years and years, Gerns, he stepped out of the booth. He's, he's not on the pre- and post-game show or any of the radio stuff anymore because his son Cameron is a freshman wide receiver for the Grizzlies. But uh, Scott Gerns, he's still very involved in stuff. Gerns, was also, though, on the 1993 team for Montana that was the number two seed in the playoffs and had that run abruptly end before it even really began because the last time Delaware came into Missoula and the last time, the only time that Montana and Delaware have ever played, Delaware came to Missoula in 1993 and knocked the Grizz off, 49-48. A lot of guys that were on that group of Grizz, that, that those mid-'90s teams, they say that was sort of the launch point for then what became... Montana's first ever run to the national championship two years later in 1995. But 93 was the year that Dave Dickinson took the Big Sky Conference by storm. That was the first of three straight Big Sky Conference MVP honors and first-team All-American nods for Super Dave. And he threw for 409 yards and four touchdowns against Delaware. But a missed extra point and uh, a, a, a touchdown by Delaware with 55 seconds left helped the Blue Hens spring the upset. So Scott Guernsey will come in and tell us just some of his memories of that season and that game, but also on a more positive note, maybe what it did for the University of Montana football program during that early rise of the Grizz. You know, it's funny, 1993, I was only six years old, but um, it's it's easy to forget if you're young enough to not remember that Top of the polls, national championship contention, Big Sky Conference titles expected, all those different things that have been the standard at Montana for 30-plus years, that's not how it always was. The Grizz only, when the 
Division One AA was created in 1978. The Grizz only made the playoffs three times between 1978 and 1992. They made it in 82. Uh, they made it in 88. They made it in 89. Well, then back in 1993, they made it, and then they made it 17 years in a row after that. And I think that that caused a lot of people to forget about just how difficult it once was. It became sort of an afterthought that the Grizz would be in the playoffs and that the Grizz would be competing for Big Sky Championships and that the Grizz would be competing for national championships. Well, then when, when that magical and and uh, unprecedented, at least within the scope of the Big Sky run, ended in uh, 2009, the Grizz have been good since then, but it's taken them all the way since then to get back to the Big Sky Conference mountaintop, 14 full years. So it shows you... You can never take anything for granted, no matter how elongated a run is. And that run was, you know, that's a 17-year run. That is uh, absolutely the record in the uh, Division One AA slash FCS for consecutive playoff appearances. The Grizz also won 15 out of 17 Big Sky Conference championships, including 12 in a row. That's a mark that I, I think it, I, it's fair to say is going to be really hard to match, let alone surpass. But 30 years ago was sort of the beginning. So Scott Grizzly will join us in studio on Wednesday uh, as well. So looking forward to that. Nuwana now ESPN Radio. It's time into our Montana football hour presented by Dazzler's Car Wash of Missoula. Treat your car like it deserves to be treated all winter long at Dazzler's Car Wash located right next to us here on Radio A out North Reserve here in Missoula. Let's take a look at the FCS scoreboard from Saturday. There was eight first-round games. All of these winners advancing to play the various seeded teams. There's eight teams that got by, 16 teams that played in this 24-team tournament. So here's how it all went down. Sac State, a really nice, and I mean, dare I say, I don't, actually, I don't think I even have to say dare I say, I think affirmatively the, the greatest playoff victory in school history. They only have two. This was the second. But to go on the road and beat North Dakota at the Alaris Center Pretty darn impressive. Sac State wins 42-35 at UND. So the Hornets into the round of 16. Richmond out of the Colonial Athletic Association. Uh, they breeze past North Carolina Central 49-27. Delaware back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with Lafayette. But they finally get them and they win 36-34. Southern Illinois, no trouble with Nichols, the Southland champ. Southern Illinois was one of the last four teams into the bracket the fifth and final team out of the Missouri Valley into the bracket, and they blank Nichols 35 to nothing. Mercer, a slugfest with Gardner-Webb, but they emerged 17 to seven. Chattanooga and Austin P come all the way down the wire. Chattanooga hits a field goal at the very end to win 24-21. North Dakota State, no trouble with non-scholarship Drake, 66 to three. The Bison roll past the Bulldogs. <laughs> Gotta take a pause on this one just for a second. I think it's all nice and fine and dandy that there's this academically oriented league in the Pioneer Football League that has a bunch of uh, private or you know academically exceptional schools that that want to play Division One football. That's fine. That's in fact great. Good for them. I can't believe they have an auto bid in the playoffs, and I, I know that. The Pioneer Football League has, they, they've won, I believe, two games in their history in the playoffs, San Diego both times, for sure against Cal Poly one year, maybe against NAU one year, but I believe the Pioneer League has only won two first-round games. Other than that, 
The non-scholarship uh, Pioneer Football League has not won any games in the uh, playoffs. And, you know, when one of the 24 teams that's in is Drake, and I, again, they got the auto bid. It's not like they stole an at-large bid from anybody. That's just one of the auto bids. But I just think it's revelatory of how flawed the system is. Because North Dakota State beat them by, I mean, how many touchdowns is 63 points? Nine? Nine touchdowns? You beat somebody by nine touchdowns. I mean, North Dakota State was a 45-point favorite coming into this game, and they covered with ease. That's crazy. Like, what is, what is the point of that? <laughs> it's It just seems silly. So, I don't know. Uh, uh, we'll come back to that just one second. Youngstown State, the final result, they beat Duquesne 40-7. to So, if you're Keeping track at home, all four Big Sky teams into the second round. All four Colonial Athletic Association teams into the second round. All five Missouri Valley Football Conference teams into the second round. Where are the other three teams from? They're all from the SOCOD. So we have four conferences represented uh, in the uh, second round of the FCS playoffs. And it's just it's the continuation of the affirmation of what we've been talking about all along. Investment in football. Tradition, resources, a fan base, at the end of the day, money, that's what gets you to this point. The fact of the matter is that the league we cover most heavily, the Big Sky Conference, the state we cover most heavily, the Montana schools, Montana and Montana State, they are the haves. They are so far away from being the have-nots, it's not even close. But I just can't help but wonder what what the future of all this is. I don't want to get into the FCS versus FBS debate right now. It's just that all I know is watching the, the Big Sky Conference teams, namely Sac State, watching the Missouri Valley teams, namely Southern Illinois, North Dakota State, and Youngstown State in the first round, they're not even close to – it's, it's not the same thing as watching these other leagues, and I think it's a disservice – to both sides. Like if, if if there was a level of competition that was like what Chattanooga Austin P was, that's great. I hope that level of football exists. Like a f- definitive third tier of Division One football. That's what that game was. Two pretty evenly matched teams from sort of mid-major conferences at the FCS level. It's great. That's not the same thing in resources and coaching and talent and prestige as North Dakota State. It's just not. All I kept thinking was, man, if I'm UC Davis, I'm sitting at home, and I got steam coming to my, out of my ears. What What are we doing here? I don't know. Andrew, what do you think? Do you want us now ESPN Radio? Andrew Houghton chiming in. How many of the teams, out of the 16 teams that played on Saturday, how many of those teams would UC Davis have beaten? I mean, easily half, right? At least half. Ten? Probably 10. I mean, and they would have been competitive with with everybody else except maybe North Dakota State, right? I don't think they would probably be a a double-digit underdog in that game. It's tough, Coulter. I get what you're saying. On the other hand, though, I mean, in four months, we're going to be complaining about the other side of this where the Big Sky basketball champion is going to get an auto bid to a game where they're not remotely competitive That's right. to the first round of the NCAA basketball tournament. Right. And it's still good to to have that, right? I think... I just think that the needle is moving so far that it, it's skewing all of it, right? 
Montana, it is unfair for teams like Chattanooga to be expected to compete with the Dakota schools and the Montana schools. They're not even in the same realm of resources and, and competitiveness. But it's also unfair to not at least give them the chance, right? That's true. That's very true, and that that's why I feel I my head just starts spinning all the time about these group of five teams because like what what is what does that level even exist to do at this point, right? I mean, Boise State didn't live up to exter- internal and external expectations this year, and they fired their coach in the middle of the season. Yet they still are playing in the Mountain West Championship game because of a coin flip. But what does that even mean? Or because of a computer ranking? What does that even mean? <laughs> it just seems like they're just stuck in this weird purgatory. I, I guess, I don't know. It, on one hand, I'm glad that the teams that we cover are a part of the halves. But now, like with the announcement today that Delaware is on its way up to Conference USA, the FCS championship, the FCS in itself, it continues to get diluted. I'm not ready to say that it's irrelevant because you still do have several of the key powers that have been the powers over the last 10 to 12 years, are still in this subdivision. So if you're Montana or you're Montana State, you make a national championship run this year or next year or the year after that, it's still a very valid and worthwhile championship. You can just see the the impending future coming down the hole, and I'm not opposed to this. I actually wish that it would re-stratify itself. It just seems silly to me. I don't know. It just seems like if none of these teams even have a chance to... It, to do anything in the playoffs, it just seems like the playoff itself, it, I don't know, is it too big? Is 24 too many teams? Well, apparently not, because we're going to keep complaining about UC Davis not getting in <laughs> for a solid month, right? And I get what you're saying, and I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I just think that looking at it philo- philosophically and holistically, you sort of have to... I mean, that's the case at every level of college football. Not even not even the group of five, but we've we talked about this. There are 15 teams in the FBS who can legitimately say that they have a chance to win a, a championship. Less. Based on ha- having some good years for, for some people. Sure. Washington and Oregon, neither one has a chance to win the national championship. That's crazy. They're both in the top six. But they're in the group of teams where they're playing for something. They're playing, They're playing for, for the, something. A playoff appearance. Sure. The cha- I mean, I I don't know. I haven't watched a ton of big-time college football this year. I don't know if I would say that those teams just don't have a chance to be competitive with Georgia, but maybe they don't. Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, and maybe Texas are the only four teams that can win the FBS National Championship. I don't even know enough to argue against that. I'm just saying <laughs> that... Ohio if Ohio State and Oregon and Washington are all on the outside looking in, then it's just like, what are we doing? Right. I guess then you just have to go philosophically and say it is still good for those programs to be playing college football. I mean, particularly at, at this level, right? It's still yeah. good for Chattanooga and Austin P and even the schools in the Pioneer uh, to have football teams, to offer kids the chance to keep playing uh, after high school, I mean, I think we both are, are sort of on the same page as to the benefits of being able to play sports and the benefits of being able to uh, like root for the sports teams at your university, etc. I think we both think it's a huge part of campus life. That's right. And so then, so I wonder this though: we live in an isolated place where this is very, very big time because of where we live, but also because of the passion and the tradition and all that stuff. But the biggest, the biggest show in town, but also one of the most fun things you can do in Missoula or Bozeman is go to college football games. That's awesome. 
I just wonder with all of the availability to watch the big time games now, if that takes away from the the enhancement of campus culture at places like Chattanooga, because you could just stay home and watch the Iron Bowl instead, or go to a bar and watch the Iron Bowl or whatever. Is yeah. there a reality where you continue to choose that over the big time if the big time is readily available at your disposal on demand? Some people will and some people won't. But for some people, it's because they know the players, right? They still go to class with the players or they, they you know, graduated high school with the players. Or there's just the local pride in having kids from your local area getting to watch them. I, I don't know. It's a different experience, right? I mean, for going sure. to a college football game in person. Completely different experience than watching it at home. It's it's fair, and I just don't think that we need to stratify these levels out perfectly so that sure. everybody is completely competitive. Uh, yeah, There's I, always going to be haves and have-nots in something that's driven as much by money as athletics in general, and particularly college athletics are. It's just always going to be the case. Does that mean, I mean, that's sort of the logic that drove... The, co- the latest round of conference realignments, sure. which is all of these teams trying to get into a league with only haves and no have-nots, and that's something that's actually going to make the product worse, in my opinion. <laughs> that's exactly right. Andrew Out and Chapman in here on Nuanas Now ESPN Radio. It's the Montana Football Hour, pre- proudly presented by Dazzler's Car Wash of Missoula. Keep those texts rolling. And here's a couple fun ones. This is from somebody who says, I've been telling you, Coulter, this Grizz-Bama comparison is gaining more traction. Both, both offensive lines were supposed to be strengths. They were awful until lately. Both Ds carried them until the Os caught up. Absolute, absolute uncertainty at QB. Now both QBs for Alabama and Montana are frighteningly good, frighteningly good dual threats. Both fan bases gave up on them early, and now both fan bases have turned fanatical. Both the coordinators on both sides of the ball are new. Arguably, both Bobby Houck and Nick Saban have turned in their best coaching years ever, and both teams have a chance at natties. Chaos everywhere. This is why we love college football. I have no comment on that other than that's a great text, great perspective, great parallel. Maybe we'll hash that out uh, a little later on within this year. I do think there's a factor there where losing early, if you are Montana or Alabama, could actually be an advantage for you. Uh, so if you want to be a part of the conversation, keep those texts coming in, 406-888-1029. Someone else texts in, check the stats on the 93 playoff game between Montana and Delaware. I think there were a ton of points scored in the last three minutes of the game. Tubby Raymond, the Blue Hens coach, had a remarkable running offense. That's right, Delaware used to run the wing tee. Filled with fakes, it was hard to tell who had the ball from my seats in the 18th row. That's right. If you watch the highlights of how Delaware won this game, first of all, there was the infamous missed extra point by Andy Larson. Andy's a great friend of the show, still lives in Missoula. And, of course, uh, he got his roses later on when he nailed a kick to win the national championship two years later. Um, But I know that that missed extra point was certainly something that haunted him. But then the... uh, the game-deciding touchdown came with 55 seconds left, and it was a throwing touchdown, a 22, or excuse me, a 32-yard touchdown strike, right over the head. If you watch the highlight, right over the head of number 37, who at the time was Todd Erickson, and he was one of the uh, the front-end guys that wore that prestigious number for the Grizzlies. So um, certainly back and forth, but the box score is crazy. I mean. Dave Dickinson was 37 for 44 for 409 yards and four touchdowns. At one point, he completed 15 passes in a row, and Montana still lost. 
Uh, we'll have more on that uh, with Scott Guernsey on Wednesday on the ESPN Roundtable, as well as Andrew Houghton. We prepared a story about that for SkylineSportsMT.com, so stay tuned for that. And then the last text, uh, not all Missouri Valley teams went to the second round. UND lost to Sac State, of course. That's right. I, I rattled off. I said five advanced. That's not true. Four advanced, or I guess four are into the round of 16. South Dakota State's the number one seed. South Dakota's the number two seed. Youngstown State, Southern Illinois, uh, each advanced for the Missouri Valley. The uh, So I, I guess that's what we'll end this segment on, is here's your second round matchups here. And, and these are uh, just in order of how the bracket is laid out. Mercer, which beat Gardner-Webb, they'll play South Dakota State. That one's at 1 p.m. Central Time. Youngstown State, they will play number 8 Villanova. That's at noon Eastern Time out in Philadelphia. Richmond will get a CAA clash. The Spiders take on UAlbany, uh, the number five seed. That's at noon Eastern. Southern Illinois will play at number four, Idaho. That one is at 7 p.m. Pacific time there on the Palouse out in Moscow. Sac State, they advance to take on South Dakota from the, uh, the Dakota Dome. The Yotes are the number three seed. That one kicks at 1 p.m. Central time. North Dakota State is at Montana State. That's a 1 p.m. Montana time kick. Chattanooga at Furman, so that's a, an all-SOCON second-round game. That one kicks at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And then Delaware at Montana, 7 p.m. Mountain time kick from Washington Grizzly Stadium. Montana Football Hour, presented by Dazzler's Car Wash of Missoula. We'll do three big things about the Cats, three big things about the Grizz. Coming into the second round of the FCS playoffs, that's next. Keep it right here. Go on is now ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice, and that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, we handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days, and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. It's always a good day when it's a Metallica Monday. But also play a little fade to black because... I think that is one of the primary narratives for one of the two teams in the state of Montana as we enter now the second round of the FCS playoffs. Welcome back. New is now ESPN Radio. Rolling through the Montana Football Hour, proudly presented by Dazzler's Car Wash of Missoula. We're going to do three big things about the Grizz, three big things about the Cats. Uh, why do I imply fade to black? Well, I think that Montana State, as Brent Vegan said eloquently, I actually thought his post game, even though it was short, following his team's 37-7, lost to Montana. I thought it was good. He, he took it on the chin. He owned it. He's like, we did not play well at all. He gave all the credit to the Grizz. Said they got outplayed, outcoached, 
all of it. But he also said, now we have a choice. We can ruminate on this, we can live in the past, and we can let this affect the rest of our season, and we can fade to black. He didn't actually say fade to black, but he said we could fade, or we can live in the present and focus on the task at hand in front of us, and we can make another run. The Bobcats, last time they were in Missoula, they got whipped. Well, then they went out and won three straight playoff games and went to the national championship. So uh, there is precedent there. We'll get to the Cats here in a minute. Well, let's do three big things about the Grizz, first and foremost. Montana, the outright Big Sky Conference champions for the first time since 2009. It's been it's been a really, really interesting experience for me. I said this a couple weeks ago, but when I first started covering the Big Sky Conference, back when I was just a young pup reporter, it was Montana and everybody else. And I was covering it through the lens of the Grizz. You know, I grew up in Missoula. I started working at the Montana Cayman when I was, you know, just a sophomore in college there at the University of Montana. Started working at the Missoulian the next year. So I was still a teenager when I first got my, you know, first feature writing job there at the Missoulian. And uh, the Grizz were this juggernaut, this untouchable beast of a program that, you know, had, had won all these conference championships and been to the, the playoffs, you know, Every year of my entire life, pretty much. I mean, I started following it when I was probably like seven or eight. And so in my time following it, it was, you know, just the Grizz in the playoffs. That's it. That's all. Pretty much always a Big Sky title contender, almost always the Big Sky champion. And if you would have told me back in 2009, when I first left the state of Montana, moved away, that it would take all the way until I was 36 that the Grizz would be back atop the big sky. I said, no, that's impossible. You're crazy. Grizz have way too many intrinsic and external advantages. They got way too passionate of a fan base. You know, the expectations, the tradition, the prestige, all that stuff. There's no way it would take them this that long to get back. Well, it did, and it shows you how elusive it can become, especially if stuff snowballs on you. If you have any sort of turmoil internally or externally, you have any sort of controversy Everybody else in your ecosystem, in your your competitive sphere, invests and starts to catch up. All of those things can culminate in then you not being able to return to the top of the mountain. Well, it took Montana a full 14 years to get back to it. You know, when we first started Skyline Sports nine years ago, we thought that both Montana and Montana State would be elite you know, forever, always. It took Montana State several years. You know, we first launched Skyline. We thought the Cats were, were you know, inside track to be national championship contenders. When Rob Ash had it rolling and Dakota Prukop was racking up yards and, and touchdowns in bunches, well, not so much. And then that ended up in a coaching change. And Enter Jeff Choate. You know, we don't need to go through the entire narrative history of all of it. It's just a lot harder than maybe you assume it was going to be, especially given the passion and the resource advantages that Montana and Montana State have. So then, for the Grizz to actually do it, to actually win seven in a row, to actually claim the Big Sky Conference outright championship, to do it by drilling a team that less than a month ago I thought was absolutely the favorites to win the Big Sky and absolutely the favorite to make another run to Frisco in Montana State. For the Grizz to do all of that, it's been really, really interesting and a great credit to the Grizz. And, you know, I moved back to Missoula 
partly, you know, because of this opportunity here at ESPN Radio, but I also thought when Bobby Houck returned that that was going to bring a, a semblance of of balance to the rivalry and certainly give a jolt to the Grizz. And it did a little bit, but it took a little while. And now it's finally taken hold. And it's just been interesting to analyze, and it's been interesting to see the rise. And I guess interesting is the wrong word. It's been unexpected and surprising that it took as long as it did. But on the other hand, it really makes you realize how hard it is and all the factors that go into a rebuild and all the factors that go into sustained success. But now here the Grizz are, home field advantage throughout the playoffs, uh, inside track uh, to Frisco. And uh, when Bobby Houck was first hired ahead of the 2018 season, this is what people expected. And now some would say a short and some would say a long six years later, here we are. And uh, we will have playoff football games in Missoula for the foreseeable future if the Grizz can take care of business. So here's three big things about the Grizz. First of all, can Clifton McDowell, the Big Sky Newcomer of the Year, can he stay hot? His first insertion in the lineup, second uh, empowerment as the guy under center, third incremental improvement, and then fourth complete launch into the stratosphere has been the key to Montana's success. Andrew, you were on this one way early, and I got to give you a lot of credit we debated back and forth whether, you know, if the top level that Montana could get to and the, the the teams they needed to beat along the way, especially when it came to November and December, if Clifton McDowell could be the guy to get them there. Well, he's certainly the guy. He He's not just, you know, a, a gimmicky big running back who can also toss the ball a little bit. He has improved so much that now he's a true dual threat quarterback that's one of the best uh, in the league. So credit to you. you. You said all along that this was the guy that should be the guy. Uh, and now here he is, the guy, and he's the big sky newcomer of the year, and he's been an absolutely key factor for the Grizz uh, to get to this point. Yeah, I mean, I will take credit for this one because, like you said, I was on it. I was also on sort of the specifics of what was going to happen and exactly why he was going to be better. I mean, I remember thinking all the way back to fall camp, looking at him, watching him in drills, and then watching him in scrimmages and being like, oh, that's a guy who's going to look way better in 11-on-11 than he is in any other setting. When you put this guy into an actual game with pads, he's going to look way better than he does throwing the ball on the sideline. That turned out to be true when they put him in the lineup. I was like, this is good not only because uh, I think he's the better guy, but because it's going to force them to, to coalesce on an identity, to settle on a true identity for that offense. And then once you have the identity, everything else is going to improve from there. And we've seen that improvement, ironically, primarily with Clifton McDowell. I think he's getting a lot more comfortable throwing the ball in the last couple weeks. Uh, But also that goes back to just settling on an identity. They have figured out what uh, what his strengths and what his shortcomings are, and they've built the offense around those. I mean, they're dialing up good stuff off of play action for him to make the throws a little bit easier. They're not asking him to do a ton of five-step drop and throw the ball into a tight window. They're scheming up easy plays for him, and it's been it's been really uh, it's been really fun to watch. The scheme has been great. Them putting him in positions to succeed has been impressive. You're right, though. He, he's gone through multiple iterations. First, it was like game manager against Idaho State and UC Davis. Then it was, okay, let's do a little playground football. Let's see what you can do improvising against Idaho, Northern Colorado, and even a little bit Sac State. And then, all of a sudden, against Montana State, you're like, 
oh, snap. Is this guy actually the the best quarterback in the conference? I know it was only one afternoon, but he made three throws in that game that I did not think that he had in his repertoire. Fantastic. Whatever. I, I, did, I did not think he whatsoever. The, the, he had a, the throw to Aaron Fonts on the little short dig out route from the, the Montana State hash all the way across the field. I mean, I'm not saying Clifton McDowell is even close to a pro quarterback. That's a pro throw. The other one where he fit it through the window and Ryland Ort was literally one-eighth of an inch from picking it off and instead it whistled right through and Drew Deck makes the catch on the sideline. I mean, if he makes those throws, the Grizz, are, the Grizz at home at least are unbeatable. Yeah, I would agree with that. I and I think the the good thing is that they don't really need him to make those no, that's throws right. in a that's ton right. of situations. That's right, right. If if he just if he just hits eight to ten throws a game, they can win any game. If he goes seventeen for twenty or whatever he did against the Cats, th- that's just a, a net plus. It's just it's just bonus. What's for, so for huge Montana. for the Grizz is, is now defensive coordinators for everybody else that they're going to play in the playoffs is looking at that tape and being right. like, oh, this guy can make those throws. We have to suddenly game plan for that now in addition to everything else that they do. That's right. And that's going to stretch the defense of pretty much everybody in the country. Yes. With a, a very few exceptions to the breaking point because if you have to you have to game plan for the running game, which includes the plus one quarterback run game, you have to you have to scheme for uh, the trick plays and the reverses and stuff and the play action stuff that they do, and now you have to scheme for him to just maybe be able to drop back and make some throws like that, that's going to stretch you to the breaking point for a lot, a lot of teams. Last point on this, three, three big things about the Grizz, the Montana Football Hour. It's so funny how little narratives get dropped within the league, and then sometimes different teams in the league think that that's true. Like after the Idaho State game, Cody Hawkins was like, well, that's, that guy's just a big running back who can kind of throw it. UC Davis then treated Clifton McDowell like that, and, and he made a couple of plays that proved to be the, the the plays that put Montana over the top in an eight-point win. Now, though, there's this – that's the part that flips, right, is no one from Delaware is like, oh, he's just a big running back that can kind of throw it. They're looking at this, and they're watching, like, especially the last couple of games, they're like, oh, they got a six-four quarterback who can run and absolutely throws it really well. So I, I think there's a certain intimidation factor there. Uh, as well. Second big thing about the Grizz, will the defense keep rolling? I mean, the statistical production, particularly when it comes to scoring defense, has been, quite frankly, absurd. I mean, the Grizz are giving up six points per game over their last four games. That's right, six. And that brings them in at about 14 points per game so far for the regular season. The splash numbers aren't what they have been in the past. You know, I think they have 26 sacks, which is like, you know, double digits down from what they've accumulated the last several years. They have 66 tackles for loss, which is about two-thirds of the amount that they normally have under this scheme. But they're plus 10 in turnover uh, ratio, in turnover margin. They've taken the ball away 19 times. They're top 10 in the country in rush defense, and those 14.4 points per game are... Pretty hard to argue with. So will the defense keep rolling? I'd have to say that you'd have to assume that they're going to. I think that the way that they're operating right now, it just builds upon itself, and, and it makes them pretty darn good. And then number three, will this team live up to the predece- their predecessors and dominate on their home field throughout December? That's one thing that's been a trademark of Grizz football for 30 years. There's been the, 
the occasional first-round upsets like Delaware in 1993, like Wofford in 2007. But mostly, when the Grizz have been at their best, they get better throughout the season. And then when they reach November and December, it becomes a fever pitch. And then all of a sudden, that's accentuated by the crowds that turn out at Washington Grizzly Stadium when the Grizz are at home in the playoffs, the cold weather, and the advantage that gives Montana. So can they fulfill that? Can they be the next team that steps into this this sort of tapestry of Grizz lore that has been being written for 30-plus years. We'll see, but that's the that's certainly going to be a crucial factor. It's the Montana Football Hour, proudly presented by Dazzler's Car Wash of Missoula. Dazzler's Car Wash, treat your car like it deserves to be treated all winter long. Three big things about the Cats. I want to know just how important the tight ends are to Montana State's run game. They are absolutely important. Derek Snell is one of the best players in the Big Sky Conference and in the country, period. His absence hurts Montana State. Trayton Pickering, though, being hobbled and not being able to really operate at all in the passing game, only in the running game, I thought that killed Montana State against the Grizz as well. So Pickering, he practiced and played last week, but he was certainly not at full speed. He was really limited. How much progress can he make two weeks later uh, with a bye that could be huge. Derek Snell is not back yet, but he still could be back, but they're going to have to win for him to be back. So uh, where are we at with Snell? And I think that's, I mean, that's always a part of a season, but injuries are always impactful. Who gets hurt is also impactful, though. When you talk about Derek Snell, Trayton Pickering, they're two stud tight ends. Danny Yululakepa, stud inside linebacker who's also a captain, Drew Polidor, who was having an all-league season at safety before he broke his hand. And then Simeon Woodard, who's their most talented and most veteran corner. All those guys have been banged up. So, again, everybody's got to deal with injuries. But when it's some of your best players and your most impactful leaders and the alphas on your team, how do you overcome it? Pickering should be a little bit closer to full strength. Danny, you should be a little bit closer to full strength. Drew Polidor should be a little bit closer to full strength. Simeon Woodard should be a little bit closer to full strength. How much does that help Montana State? So anybody think about the Cats, you got to get Sean Chambers in the game. you got to make him involved. The fact that he played less than 10 snaps in both of their Big Sky losses at Idaho and at Montana, it's unacceptable. You can talk about trust factor, operational stuff, whatever. Sean Chambers is a returning All-American player who was a first-team All-Big Sky Conference selection. And when he was in the game, when he was operating at his highest level for Montana State throughout this, his senior season, Montana State was at its best. Love you some Tommy lot. I totally understand why they're enamored with him and why they roll with him from a variety of perspectives. Leadership on and off the field. Leading by example. Face of the program. Unbelievably explosive athlete. Great on the edge. One of the best running quarterbacks I've ever seen. I totally get all that. Montana State is at its highest level offensively when Sean Chambers is in a rhythm and he's the man under center. They're going to play both of them. They absolutely should. I totally understand why. Chambers has just got to play more than the the few snaps he played uh, in Missoula for Montana State to be the best version of themselves. And then we return all the way to the beginning of this segment. Third big thing about the Cats Will they have an us-against-the-world mentality and try to bounce back? Or will they fade to black? It's as simple as that. They got a choice. 
they're staring at the juggernaut. They, they have an opportunity to host the most prestigious SES program in, in the history of the subdivision. One of the great juggernauts in all of college football, but they got him in Bozeman. If Montana State fades and they lose in Missoula and then at home to North Dakota State, got a lot of question marks going in the offseason. If they can oust NDSU and spark a playoff run, completely changes the narrative of your season and at least in part puts in the rear view the beatdown they received in Missoula to the Grizz. So how will Montana State respond? That's my third big thing about the Cats. What do we think about some of the other draws across the FCS playoffs? We shall discuss to end the Montana football hour here on to what is now. Don't change that dial. Keep it right here. ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. A little Blue Oyster Cult for you on the way back here on this Monday. Hope you're having a great start to your week. We're almost into December. That's pretty crazy. And we're in the second round of the FCS playoffs. I'm Coulter Nuanas. This is Nuanas Now. You're listening to the Montana Football Hour, proudly presented by Dazzler's Car Wash of Missoula. Let's take a look at some of the other draws from around the uh, FCS. Again, here is your second round matchups. Mercer is at number one, South Dakota State. Youngstown State plays at number eight, Villanova. Richmond at Albany. Southern Illinois at fourth-seeded Idaho. Sac State at third-seeded South Dakota. North Dakota State at sixth-seeded Montana State. Chattanooga at number seven, Furman. And Delaware here in Missoula to take on the second-seeded Grizz uh, of Montana. Delaware, we're, we're going to get more into Delaware a little later on in the week, but th- they are a fascinating team to me because Delaware has actually great program prestige. Delaware has won an FCS National Championship. Back in 2003, they won one. They also have won five D2 National Championships, so six national titles to their credit. They've been on the playoffs 23 times, so that's one of the most ever among uh, FCS teams. And uh, they were as high as number five in the polls in October. But then they lost to Elon... And then they lost two of their quarterbacks against Villanova, and they got ran out of the building there on their home field against Villanova, and that dropped them then in the first round. If they would have beat Villanova, they uh, they almost certainly would have been a playoff seed, but instead uh, they're, they're forced to play in the first round, and they got one out uh, with a, a true freshman quarterback at the helm. So that's going to be something to watch for the Blue Heads. Does their starter or their second-string guy at quarterback come back? Or do they have to go with, with the freshmen at Washington Grizz? Uh, we'll see more on the Blue Hens uh, a little later on. NDSU, uh, they looked really good against Drake. I mean, Drake is a non-scholarship team out of the Pioneer Football Conference, but Cam Miller was really sharp, the senior quarterback. NDSU's got a ton of weapons. They're really big on both lines because, of course, they are. It's North Dakota State. The quarterback run game is a relatively new addition to that offense. That's going to be tough for people to slow down. So, uh, tough draw for Montana State. As a team coming off a bye as the sixth seed, they got a pretty dang good NDSU team coming to Bozeman on Saturday. Other matchups that I'm looking at in that first round that are, are really interesting, Southern Illinois had some pretty high watermarks this year. They ended up finishing 7-4 and four during the regular season, but they're really, really good defensively, and I think they're going to be able to match up with Idaho pretty darn well uh, in Moscow. So, I think that could be... Uh, a slugfest for sure. We'll see. I mean, Idaho, it, it, there's a lot of pressure on the Vandals as the four seed. 
I do think they're really, really talented, and they got a really savvy guy at quarterback in Javon McCoy, and that's always going to give them a shot. But Southern Illinois is a little bit better of a team than maybe you'd want to be facing, especially because they're a power conference team. They're from the Missouri Valley. So that, that's a – I think Montana State and Idaho both got tough draws despite getting buys and getting seeded, as did South Dakota. South Dakota's the three seed, and they got to play a team that won three straight Big Sky Conference championships before then this year having a little bit of an up-and-down year. But Sac State is coming off of a great win at North Dakota, so they'll certainly be in the mix there too. I mean, I saw the betting line. The betting line opened with South Dakota as a six-and-a-half-point favorite, so just a touchdown. So uh, Vegas expects this to be close. So uh, certainly, you know, I mean, there's there's two conferences that are ahead of everybody else in the FCS right now. It's the Big Sky and the Missouri Valley. You can argue on one side or the other. Then the Colonial Athletic Association is definitively the number three. And then the SoCon's number four. But because of regionality, the only team that's really making a, a big, long trip this upcoming week is Delaware coming to Montana. I guess Youngstown State going to Villanova is a little bit of a trek from Ohio to, to Philadelphia. But Richmond and Albany, that's a conference game. chattanooga Furman, that's also a conference game. You North Dakota State and Montana State know each other well. They've played in the playoffs four times since 2018. So I guess what I'm saying is if you're going to be a three-seed like South Dakota – and you got to play another power conference team. That's a tough draw. If you're a four seed like Idaho, you got to play another power conference team. That's a tough draw. So I, I wonder how much the uh, the regionality maintains in the in these FCS playoffs because I do think that we're going to have a little bit tougher games in the second round than maybe some of these higher seeded teams deserve. But that's what it is. We'll keep on talking FCS playoffs throughout the week. But hour one in the books, the Montana Football Hour. Presented by Dazzler's Car Wash of Missoula. Treat your car like it deserves to be treated all winter long with Dazzler's. They're located right next door to us here on Radio Way, right off of North Reserve in Missoula. It's the most thorough and efficient car wash you're going to find anywhere. Check them out. Dazzler's Car Wash. Treat your car like it deserves to be treated all winter long at Dazzler's. The Monday afternoon quarterback. We'll check in on NDSU because Coach Marty, his son, coaches there. We'll also check in on Ohio State, Michigan, and we'll also check in on yet another wild week in the National Football League. That's all next. Don't change the dial. Hour number two coming in hot. TSPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 